the Ensley What If Insurance Podcast, where we have in-depth discussions with everyone from apprentices and university leavers to board members and CEOs and ask them what if to help demystify the insurance industry, making it easy to understand how and why you might want to pursue a career in insurance. So today we're talking to Charlie Langdale, the Head of Climate Risk and Resilience at Howden. Charlie's been in the insurance industry for over 25 years and building the Climate Risk and Resilience team for about two years now. So today we're going to be discussing the role that the insurance has in the future of our planet, how Charlie has developed the team working on climate risk um, solutions and what led him to insurance in the first place. So thank you very much for joining us, Charlie. Thanks for having me. No worries. So just a couple of questions to get to know you a little bit. Um, How would your friends describe you? Mm, Golly, (laughs) that's a that's a good that's a good question. Um, I don't know. I think I'm. They probably uh, describe me as someone with with multiple different interests. You know, I I uh, I love the countryside, but I also. Um, I'm a paraglider pilot, for example. I, I do lots of different things, and I think they describe me as somebody who, who probably is fairly passionate about the subjects I get involved with, and uh, and um, you know, and d- determined. I think probably. That's that's a great way of describing you, especially with so many hobbies. Mm-hmm. What did you want to be when you were growing up? Um, I wanted to uh, be as independent as I could, so I wanted to be able to do something which. Um, gave me as many choices mm. and allowed me to do, uh, I don't know, things that interested me. That sounds, um, hopefully, like you've satisfied that well, with what you're doing now. Time, yeah. <laughs> uh, what we, uh, what's your big, uh, sorry, what's your biggest pet peeve? Mm. I think um, in a business sense or overall, do you think? We'll do, we'll do personal sense and business sense. Oh, golly. I think that I get I get um, cross when people. Well, I just feel that you could you know that it just is so important just just be blunt and tell the truth. And it really annoys me when you have to spend a very long time trying to get through to the truth when actually you all know right from the beginning where where you're going to lead. And that's that always um, you know I just like people being upfront. Yeah, I mean in both senses that's probably mm. true mm. personally and professionally. Mm. Um, and just just to kind of break up the the. The, the career-related, what is your go-to takeaway order? <laughs> if you're going to get a takeaway. Okay, um, right. I I love Honest Burger. You know, do you yeah. know, I mean, there's one in Bermondsey, and that's, we're going to go takeaway, that's what I'll go for. Good, good choice. Yeah, yeah. That's quite a kind of expensive, well, not expensive, but like high-class takeaway order, I would well, say. Well, you know, <laughs> I think probably, yeah, that's, that's what I go for. Amazing. <laughs> um, so just a little bit of getting into how you got into your role at the moment. Mm. What is, uh, how did you start your career? What is a, a little bit of a kind of summary of your um professional education background at the beginning so we're thinking 18 18, 18 right so um so 18 yeah I um I my my favorite subject at school was geography so I, I like geography I liked understanding what made the world it is mm. as it is so I I struggled to work out how I could link that into a career at all so I sort of um I thought it was a great subject because it gave me a nice broad view of 
of all sorts of different things. Um, but it didn't didn't feel very applicable to any sort of career I could go into. So I decided to try and just find out what various jobs looked like to see if I could get some work experience in def- different places. And at 18, I ended up um, sitting on a, on a on a box in Lloyd's for a week. So I went into the Lloyd's market, had the chance to uh, to sit in between two underwriters and see what they actually did for a living. And what I found out was that they they sat at their desk and waited for a insurance broker to turn up at their desk, and that insurance broker would try and persuade the underwriter to take a risk on. And I just thought, well, I could, I could probably do that. So I thought I'd give that a go. So I tried to get a job in that sector, but it didn't at the time. I didn't couldn't really work out how that would. Um, how that would um, relate to some of the other interests I had. It's taken me a long time to 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 sort of meld those things yeah. together, M- merge the two mm. interests. Yes, I think. So, were you? Um, are you from London? You um, no, I live no. in Sussex. You live in Sussex, mm. okay. Not too far. No, not too far. Commutable, just. Yeah, just about. Yeah. So, were you? Um, what, did you start at Lloyd's, and then is that how you've ended up? At, I joined. At I joined a graduate scheme at a broker called Bain Hogg. Mm-hmm. Which, after two years or two weeks of being there, two years was bought by Aon, and suddenly I found myself in in Aon, which is a very large insurance broker. And my early years were were there, but I went for um, various different sort of graduate type uh, traineeship roles to begin with, and um, it took me a very long time to to get that one. I think I had at least twenty interviews before I got a job, but you know, yeah. in the end, someone picked me up. You know, yeah. And now you're you're still in the same industry, which I think yes. is pretty impressive. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Yeah. Although what Amazing. your role is now is is a little bit different to what you were first starting out doing. Yes. How would you describe the what is cl- the climate risk and resilience team? What is it that you specialise in as part of your team? Well, I, I think um, it, it became pretty clear to me that uh, you know without doing a huge amount of research, but just my own common sense that. Climate change was something with not only a certainty; it was a certainty that that uh, that the insurance market could play a role in. And it's very rare that you have in your career a moment where everyone knows something is going to happen. It's just a question of time um, and extent. And so, when those moments happen, where you can see just, you can see just by reading the paper. There is this absolute certainty. We don't know exactly how bad it's going to be or when it's going to be. There is something that you can do in your career about about the impact of that. It became pretty obvious that that I, I should try and work out how to 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 uh, to do something really support that mm. using the the insurance tools. Yeah, to... using the insurance market. Now it was it was two for not only did I think the insurance market has a role to play in in um, trying to deal with some of future uncertainty we all have, which climate change is one of the probably the most existential we have. But also, I thought that it was a place that the insurance market should be involved with commercially. Yeah, uh, there's a there's a huge opportunity for insurance there. Um, the insurance market has not grown massively over my career. It's basically just above inflation. I've always been a bit disappointed by that. Um, and I felt that this is an area that could, could ha- has the potential to massively grow what the insurance market can do and also at the same time try and help society you know and nature deal with the sorts of um, problems that climate change are going to cause and are causing at the moment. Absolutely I suppose if there's something that is an increasing interest and really desperate need for the whole of society then there's also going to be 
a, you know, a benefit of getting involved in that from both, yeah. both sides. And at the same time, the insurance market you know, that I've grown up with has done lots of very interesting things, but I don't think it's been brilliant at, 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 um, at exploring these sorts of new opportunities. Mm. And I just felt that working in an organisation like Howden and being in a position I was in at the time, that I'd be able to, I don't know, call people and ring people who weren't in the insurance market and get them to bring some expertise to the table and, and some ideas and try and see if we can, we can use the tools that, that, that I've learned to use here and, uh, and put them to different use. That's that's great. I think we'll we'll talk a little bit mm. about the the team and the kind of projects you're mm-hmm. working on. But you mentioned how what's changed since you first started. Yes, the, ha, and I suppose that one of them is new markets you're looking yeah. at. But what is there anything else that's kind of fundamentally fundamentally changed in the insurance industry since you started working? I think that there has been. I mean, when I in the mid '90s when I joined insurance, most of the market was run by and you know by by 55 year old english blokes basically running books of business that they'd had for many many years and i think that is one of the things which had made it a little bit less uh, nimble than i mm. than, than i expected so when i started i always felt that the the market could do a lot by hiring people from outside of the insurance market first i people who've I'm straight from university or not from university or people from outside and other careers to bring different type of perspective into the markets and use the tools that the insurance market has been so good at developing over the years, especially modeling tools and understanding risk, but looking at it through a different lens. Mm. Especially so we've so so during my career, once I had a chance to start to hire people, I've been I've always tried to hire people from other sectors to to try and just build a different way of thinking about things. So I think I've really seen that change and accelerate in the last sort of five or ten years, where we now have a real much broader range of, of, of backgrounds in the market, and it's really changing the market for good. That's great. You'd end up with more creativity there oh, as yeah. well, and then a mm. bit more flexibility mm. and kind of new ways of looking at things, which is exactly what you want mm. when the world's changing so much. Um is what's something about the insurance industry that's surprised you recently? Um, I, I think that its ability to deal with the sort of problems of the here and now, if you think about what's going on in the world, the, the massive natural disasters which are hitting everywhere from Florida to, you know, to the wildfires in California and the, the ability of the insurance market to pick up these massive financial claims, recover from them, and then issue policies again the next year is quite a remarkable thing if you think about it. Um, So while I think the insurance market has got a massive opportunity and a huge, it can go, you know, a huge way to try and do much, much more, even in its own way now, it's pretty remarkable how it, how it can, how it continues to, to, uh, to deal with some of these major disasters that we've seen over the last 10 years and recover and, 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 and pay those claims and come back for more. Absolutely. I mean, just thinking about that natural disaster, which I think is something that your team mm. would deal with, is there anything you could talk about? I know that you've worked with, um, Red Cross. Mm-hmm. Um, is there an example of a project that that you could give to showcase the kind of uh, work you would be doing? You know, working as an insurance with climate risk and and, yeah. and helping with that. Okay, so on the climate risk side, I think that you know the the, the 
entire point of insurance is to is to give people a chance to get prepared for the future. So there's lots of ways that you can get prepared for the future. You can build your house out of stronger materials. You know, you can. But one of the things you can do is you can get financially prepared. And what financially prepared means is that you know that you're going to have access to some money if something happens to you or your family or community, which is which is which which an adverse event. Okay, so so insurance is just another word for getting prepared. Mm. That's what this is about. And what one of our aims are is to is to help people all over the world get better prepared for the sorts of things that climate change are going to cause, and natural disasters is one of them. So, for example, uh, you know we've won we've we, we've run a, a number of projects this year where we've helped vulnerable communities um, buy insurance to protect themselves against their crops being washed away. Um, but the, the example you, you refer to, the Red Cross, is to do with volcanoes. So the Red Cross is a you know, global organisation providing disaster relief in, in to, you know, um, across the globe. And one of the things it really needs is it needs instant access to money when something goes wrong. Now, of course, the Red Cross is very good at making appeals. So after the event, so the disaster occurs, and after the event, it can raise lots of money and try and help bring, uh, you know, food, water, and shelter to the people most affected. But if you can get that money into the into the Red, Red Cross's offices locally, where the disaster happens, as the disaster is unfolding, you can have a huge amount of more impact. Are you going to give some certainty to the charity on the ground about what money they're going to get? And how they're going to use it very, very early. So the, we, what we did is we, we we put a program together with the Red Cross for uh, ten volcanoes around the world, volcanoes which are very close to um, uh, large um, populations, which the Red Cross were knew that they would have to spend a lot of time, effort, and money looking after in the event of an eruption. And we basically put an insurance program which um, which um, triggered on the plume of ash. Um, coming out of a volcano as a indication of the size of an eruption. So as the ash explodes from a volcano and as it um, reaches certain heights, the office of the Red Cross in that particular location would receive sums of money within you know twelve or forty eight hours of the of that plume achieved. So it's an indication of a, a forthcoming um, disaster. Um, so, so that that program has been running now for 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 for, for two years, and um, we've had some quite close calls. It's not yet triggered, um, but we have we we have a number of other projects very similar where we are now starting to um, they they are starting to trigger claims, and we are seeing money flowing into populations who'd never consider um, accessing the insurance market before. But what this is doing is giving them choice and agency and some money up front when things look like they're going to go wrong. Absolutely. I mean, it's it's amazing that that's even a a thing with an insurance. I don't, I've never imagined that that would be something that we'd be working with in the insurance industry are those more vulnerable communities that, you know. Well, it's not just the communities. It's also, there's many nature-based projects out there. We we were involved with a project this year for coral reefs. So, for example, coral reefs are incredibly fascinating uh, biodiverse environments, and they are being constant. Well, more and more bleached by uh, by uh, by basically global warming, and also they are being sometimes um, damaged by by storms. And so, what we're trying to do is to encourage um, 
some um, organizations out there who who basically create nurseries so what you do is you you separate you take some um, coral reef you create a nursery in a safe area and you you grow um, sometimes storm resistant reef corals but you basically create a nursery so that if there's a damage to a coral reef the coral reef can be repaired but the thing about the investment required to do those nurseries is that you need an insurance policy around the entire project so that if actually um, there is some bleaching or the coral reef does get blown out of the water, the nursery can replace it. And then there's the money to spend doing the next um, nursery and the next sort of um, range of sort of... Um, so so all of these projects are actually have a very common theme. All insurance does is it make get, it either does two things. It gets people prepared and they, that allows them to make choices. Mm-hmm. And secondly, it allows people to invest in things because they know that once they've put an investment in, say, for example, a coral reef nursery, that even if an event happens, which nowadays is happening more and more often, their investment won't be lost because it will be replaced by insurance. And I think that um, once, once those very, very simple concept of un- uh, concepts are understood and you have a chance to explain it them to people outside the insurance market, be amazed, you'd be amazed how much scope that has got for our yeah. industry. And there are almost limitless ways that we can apply that type of very simple thinking into all sorts of different um, exposures, which we are really going to have to do something very serious about as as a global community yeah. over the next 10 years. I think it's it's amazing when you think of it as as actually anyone that wants to invest in, in something that insurance is part of, then mm-hmm. the types of climate-related or environmental projects that you could get involved in are limitless, but like you said, because mm-hmm. there's all so many things that need support and that, that level of protection from having insurance would mean that they could go ahead. Exactly. So, yeah, so it's great to hear about some of the environmental projects that you're yeah. kind of supporting. Yeah. And we're, gonna, we're going to, we're accelerating those as well. We're hoping to, that over time we'll be able to support maybe 150 to 200 projects like those a year, like that a year, design the insurance projects for them, hopefully raise money for them as well. It's, it's, it's a, what's happening in the world at the moment, I think is fascinating, is that as a commercial entity out there like Howden trying to grow our business, there is, it's absolutely compatible with, 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 uh, with um, charitable endeavours and other sort of um, work that's been do- which has been done ar- around the around the world to try and protect ourselves against the problems of tomorrow. It, totally compatible, which I would never never would really have thought of, of no. in the past. You'd think that they would be kind of yeah. opposite sides of yeah. of, uh, the, of the spectrum mm. with kind of financial services and then some charitable charitable sector yeah. kind of coming together. Yeah. And um, just thinking about your team, you mentioned mm-hmm. uh, your route into, into this team and interest with geography yeah. kind of merging together. What are the what are the types of of backgrounds you have in your team, and and how how could other people be working within this area of the business? Yeah, no, well, that's, yeah, that's a good question. I mean, and it took me, you know, nearly twenty years to, work, yeah. to try and work out how to use the things that I were in, I was interested in in my career, and I think that's something that people should never lose, lose sight of, and it's something that people should consider very much when they when they, when they try and get their first job or join the market from another another sector. You know, the, the, the key is 
in in this space is 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 you know, you've got to follow your interests, and um, so that's and that's easy to spot in when you're when when we're interviewing people. Mm-hmm. So what we've done, and we we set up with the climate risk and resilience team when I set that up in our in our holding company um, a couple of years ago. I wanted to find people who had uh, who could bring very different. Um, ideas to this to this whole piece. So we we hired people from from the humanitarian sector itself. We got a lady called Caroline Birch, who spent twenty years administering disaster relief on the ground in some very difficult parts of the world. So she brought an incredibly fresh view of really what's needed when we were going to when the what actually happens to the ten million pounds when it drops into the bank account of a charity somewhere around the world. You know what are they going to do with the money and how are we going to make sure that that's looked after? And we we hired people from. From the banking sector, because we wanted to understand how how uh, how how banks and finances are, are lending money to try and increase resilience and try and understand how that how we could meld insurance with that, we've got people from marketing backgrounds and um, who are, you know because we need to, be able to get our, our message across and we need to do, and we've got someone from uh, a sort of a, a, an NGO background so you know it's a and lawyers for example so it's just a question of 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 making sure that. If you think you've got an idea uh, that you think is interesting, you've you've got to test that idea on as many people as you possibly can. And if you have a team of people sitting around you who have different ways, different ways of looking at things, then what that allows you to do is to sort the wheat and chaff of those ideas in a really efficient way. And you, because you, because you don't end up by everybody thinking the same. It's about you know wait a minute Charlie that's just not going to work because this is this doesn't work like that over here you know okay you know so another so hiring as many people from you know especially if you're trying to appeal to business internationally you want to have quite a broad spread of of of, uh, of, of 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 cultures in your team as well so you understand the, the, the people you're going to be selling to so it's it's just a it's just that is there's nothing beats that type of. Um, teams that look 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 and feel like that if you're if that's what you're trying to achieve you know i think that's so valuable and also to hear that you aren't just taking people from exactly the same path and that it's it's really broad if mm. you were uh, very early in your career 18 interested in environmental uh, issues climate change and you wanted to find a, a role within your team and found this interesting what are some of the tips tools qualifications what are your th- things that you would say yeah i think important? that um i think that the key is that um you know someone would have a a, a a a good cv and that's a great thing but the, the 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 key for me is is how they demonstrate a passion for the subject that they that they're interested in you know because i know that i mean we're, we're a business built on the courage of people's convictions you know we, we're i mean Howden's a great brand but I, we expect people to put their own reputation on the line and use the, the force of their own personality to to achieve things and be more determined to than the next person and all of that requires people to be genuinely interested in in what in what they're doing and actually i know okay yes i've been lucky i've been given the chance to do something in a, in a space that i'm interested in but i did spend 20 years doing directors and officers and professional liability insurance and i found that fascinating as well you know and i hope i put a lot of passion into that too so you know when you get under the skin of 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 of, of a subject but when you but to answer your question a bit more you i can i think i don't know if i can or not but it's not about whether you're a great sort of salesperson or very extrovert or whatever it's it, i think that you know, if you if you if you come to an interview with 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 something that 
is uh, which is specific to the sorts of job you're trying to get, it makes a big difference. Mm. Uh, and uh, and so I I was when I started this climate risk and resilience piece, or even when I was running financial lines here, I, I did want to understand if people read the paper in the morning yeah. and took an interest in what was going on around them, and can can you know because I think that actually is sort of what we need to uncover ha- uh, the opportunities, really. Yeah. I suppose it's not just relying on you to see what that future looks like. You need everyone in the team to yeah. have, have an interest. And- totally. And everyone develops at different different stages in their career. I mean, you know, uh, so David Howden was setting up an insurance broker in his 20s, you know, so it took me until I was well into my 40s to decide to do something in the climate space. So I don't think everyone has to rush it. I just feel mm. that, you know, it's worth going into these things with a sort of a little bit of a plan in your mind of what it is that is going to make that role and that job actually exciting and enjoyable for you. And it might be just that you really like the people that you've spoken, you, you're talking to, and you, you and that's, that, that, that's it. Or it may be the, the success of winning business. That's fantastic too. But you've just got, I think, identifying what that is early is a, a really key thing. Yeah. And that, that, that that's what I I found as I've gone through my career anyway. Yeah. And nurturing that, even if it's not a central part of your totally. role at that time, yeah, and making absolutely. sure you're, yeah. you're still doing that. Yeah. Um, what is the, what are the, what's the future looking like for your team? And I know you mentioned earlier that you're, you're bringing new people into the mm-hmm. team and it seems like you're creating a lot of partnerships mm-hmm. externally. Um, is there anything, yeah, that that's on the horizon? Yeah, no. So we are, um, you know, the good news is that, um, Powden is a very uh, visionary business, and because we are, you know, we've got this, this not unique but really interesting shareholder base of employees and and external shareholders who really look long term into the future. It's meant that uh, that that this whole subject of long term climate change or medium term climate change and what we can do is almost perfect for mm-hmm. for Howden as an organisation to champion globally globally. So that's meant that it's allowed me to to persuade you know people you know uh, here to to invest in that, and so we will be building our climate resilience business over the next um, this year, and we hope to make that market leading in all sorts of different areas, and you know, hopefully you'll see some of that happening soon. Yeah, you know? <laughs> it's really it's really exciting. I think that becoming a greener, more sustainable business by actually utilising those insurance tools mm. to make a difference is 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 something that I haven't seen. We've got you've got to do, do both. So you can be extremely green and sustainable by making absolutely sure all of your own processes are good and. And you, you have a fabulous ESG policy, and you've got a really and we and by the way, you know we're on a journey there. We've got a fabulous CSR capability in Howden, um, but we're still on our own journey. Um, but I've always felt that we are in the business of taking risks. So mm-hmm. if if we only did that and didn't make use of this risk-taking machine, which is the insurance market and the incredible balance sheets out there and how and show people how useful that would be to try and uh, help us mitigate adapt to the, these things then we've then we've then we've failed completely yeah so we'd have to do both i i think that's yeah i can completely see that having worked in some of the csr projects mm. and things like that being able to merge the two is is great and um, just thinking about you know what's the biggest challenge that you are facing at the moment what's the biggest thing that you're struggling with in your role or in the business right now 
I think that it's it's um, people thinking too short term, and and you know I can totally appreciate that. You know we we are a a very successful business, do uh, extremely profitable, and doing very well, and we've got to dri- drive ourselves on a on a sort of quarterly basis, and we've got to make sure we win the clients. And I and I ran a large division here for many years. I totally understand that, but I feel sometimes if we don't get the balance between short-term goals and the long-term, we're going to do ourselves a huge disservice. Absolutely. Especially when you've got people coming in entry-level. Yeah. Or, or, you know, uh, we want 25-year-olds who join our business to have a career when they're 50. Yeah. And we really, and we're very, there are very few organisations who can plan like that. And yeah. We can do it, but we've got to be very brave about it. We're in the business of risk, so I suppose yeah. you've, got to be, you've got to be a bit like that. Well, and the other thing, we've just got to accept failure as well. I mean, what happens to be, you know, when I joined my this business in my 20s, um, and I was a very young, uh, inexperienced, you know, person running a small team of four people, um, David said, right, uh, make as many decisions as you need, and I don't care how many failures, as long as most of them are successes, you know. <laughs> and that's actually a flavour of our business now. So we do lots and lots of things, and I've made... made done tons of things which have not worked in this business and in the last two years i've done things which have been complete failures luckily some of the stuff i've done has been successes too and people tend to forget the failures and concentrate on the successes and i think that people all the way through their career should be should should be brave enough to to do that and have and make sure that they're you know that they that they i mean it's worth it basically i'm saying i think especially thinking about people that are getting into their careers mm. not feeling too afraid of, of, of no. trying something and failing potentially no, it things. it's nice to hear that in the last two years you've had failures as part oh, yeah. of this team My as God. well you know, <laughs> I've always had failures you know? <laughs> always yeah so I mean we've just got to be just got to be brave enough to and have uh, and hopefully working in an organisation where people accept that that um you know, but I mean, teams are a good, a good. You know, you can have lots and lots of ideas, and the wheat and chaff sorting of those is important too. So, not doing things on your own is great, but share ideas and don't worry about the, the consequences of that sharing. And in the end, you know, you, your teams will be successful, and you'll be successful as well. In a in a kind of new market that you're in or mm. newer, how are you um, creating those connections with others? Obviously, with other areas of the insurance business, we're well known. Well, you have to be um, you have to be uh, very um, open with what your ideas are. So if you if you come up with you know in, in my situation, which you know if, if you come up with things that you think could further these overall aims, which are growing the insurance market and allowing insurance to be used in places not used at the moment, those are two things driving me, then you need to attach, you need to work out a plan for how you're going to achieve that. So so, so once you've worked out a whole range of things that you think are going to uh, are going to help with those goals, you've just got to tell everyone about it and not care about people stealing your ideas, you know? Because as soon as you start getting worried about your own IP and how impressive you are for coming up with something, that's the that sort of hubris is the end of everything. So if you go out to people and you're you're generous and you offer up everything you've got to them as much as you can, then you will break into new markets and people will come and join you, if nothing else, or they'll want you in part of their club. Mm-hmm. And so that's been a bit of a journey for us in the climate resilience space. We had some a few ideas. Some didn't work. A few are working. And the ones that are working are going to work spectacularly well and people want to be part of that, and that's how you—that's how we've grown it so far, yeah. so quickly. It's letting go of that ego of this just is my. Just, just cannot be too. And the idea that you've—I mean, people don't 
eureka moments in insurance don't happen. So you're always going to be melding or changing or moving someone else's idea anyway. So just get over yourself and just tell everyone what it is and yeah. let them do it. And if they, you know, and if and and once you've come up with something, give it to somebody else, let them have it and do the next one. Don't 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 hang on to stuff yourself. Mm. It's it's a terrible disease of 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 insecurity. You can, as soon as you know, you've got to give up ideas to other people very quickly and move on to the next ones and 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 to allow people to to grow their own yeah. careers and make something of stuff that you've started if you can that's my sort of overall thing and that's what we're doing in the climate risk and resilience piece now over the past two years is there something that you're really proud of that you've achieved as a team um or individually uh, or yeah you- i think so i think that we've Oh gosh, there's lots of things. They're difficult to point, point to. Well, I mean, I've, I'm proud of lots of stuff, and maybe it's a bit sort of egotistical in the same way. I think the thing I'm most proud of, I, I, we had this. Um, is Howden is is, a, is quite an, a, an amazing organisation in many ways. So we had this first. We had this idea that we wanted to allow um, charities and communities around the world to access the insurance market. And when we started ask find, trying to work out why they weren't accessing the market, even though they have. I mean, you know, my God, a charity administering disaster relief around the world. My God, they have, we price that type of thing in the market. So why can't, and they don't use the insurance market because they haven't got any money, you know? Yeah. And, and it's, so I decided that we should be trying to set something up in the private sector to allow vulnerable communities around the world and charities access the insurance market in the same way that we all take for granted. Mm. And I think the thing I'm proudest, proudest of, it, it, one of the teams I was running at the time, I sent an email out to 200 people asking them to contribute a portion of their future earnings on one of the schemes we ran. And, and you know, we got £5 million out of that. It was an amazing thing. So I think that I realised that the people in this, in this organisation really feel very strongly about what insurance really can do. And I'm fed up with people thinking insurance are rather boring, staid career, when actually it's probably got, can have more influence in some of these areas than almost any other part of financial services. And this is sort of a chance for us to sort of make put that on the table, make that mark and show people, but not from maybe a massively rich donor in America somewhere, but actually from the people on the floor in the organisation yeah. itself. So that was quite a moment. And I realised that that moment that we, we were going to be successful. And we're now setting up a... A, uh, a sort of charitable trust, which is going to basically allow um, those types of organisations like communities and charities access more than $2 billion worth of insurance capacity every year. That's amazing. As just as a result of that type of thinking. It's probably the thing, you know, it, I think that will be end up as being something really special once we get it going. It's, a, it's an, also an example of the changing or just the headspace of the people that work here mm-hmm. not being what someone might think as a, a typical person working in insurance, but actually how high up the the priority list, those sustainable projects supporting vulnerable communities, supporting yeah. charities is for, yeah. for the people that it's, are here. And I think, but it's not just that. I mean, there are not, not everybody um, is driven by that, right? Mm. There are some people who that is that, you know, some people, and, but it applies to all types of careers in, in Howard. I mean, I think we have this fabulous, um, um, uh, M and A team in in, in Howden now. It's the biggest um, team in the market. It's about 130 people in it. 
we started that team off in 2012 with two people straight from university who, who, who no experience of insurance at all because we were trying to break a bit of a mold mm. and it's it is the most successful team in the market now okay you know, maybe that's taken 10 years but you know uh, and you know so I, I think that it doesn't have to be you know i think you can if you if you can see an angle in any area whether it's climate change is an obvious thing for the insurance market at that time that 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 piece seemed obvious to me then it doesn't it, i think you know ultimately you know as long as long as you as long as you've got good people around you can and you can sort wheat and chaff quickly and you can you've got the uh, people backing you to allow you to to take ideas forward you'll be okay yeah so if you've got an idea and you could see somewhere where there's a risk that could be supported by insurance. You know, mm. there's an emerging mm. market that, that needs mm. um, some sort of investment that could be supported. Then there would be a place here, regardless of what that yeah. industry is. Absolutely. Um, that, that's, that's the bottom line. To kind of give someone a mm. bit of that doesn't really can't imagine being here or, or, or being in your team. What does a typical day look like for, for you or for, for someone in the team? Right, so I'll try and describe what it was when we first set it up. <laughs> because uh, I mean, so I had a, a lady called Victoria working with me, and we had we was a team of three or four at the time, and so we so basically what we were doing every day was testing our ideas. So I come in the morning and go right, who are we going to ring up now? Who are we going to go and see? Who can we who can we go and talk to about this to see if this is a thing, or if it's going to work? And, you know, and uh, which, which, so some sent it's, right, who's really good at working a conference? Who do I know who goes into a, into a seminar and comes out with 25 business cards? I'm awful at that. I'm way too shy. So I can't do it. So I will go to those conferences with someone who I know is just brilliant at that. And we'll come out and then we'll ring all those people up afterwards and go and see them and test tons of stuff. And then in the end, you'll, so a, a day is, there's lots and lots of, you've just got to get in front of people. You've got to meet people face to face, face to, not on teams, face mm. to face. And you've got to, uh, you've got to talk around your subject in a way that, you know, it's just a question of, um, so our early days were, were testing and testing and testing and testing with all, internally as well as externally and then trying to understand whether and, and have enough support from the business to allow you to spend some time and effort and money doing that. In fact, actually, I did that um, a lot when I was in the financial lines team. I probably spent for the last two years at least 30% of my time testing these things before I was at a point where I could go to David with an idea. Yeah. Uh, and then... You know, so it's a constant, it's a, it's a, and even now, everything is a constant process of testing and retesting and, you know, and just and talking to people and interacting and, you know, that's what I do, okay? Yeah. But I've got other people on the team who are, you know, sort of on a data analytics side who spend the time building climate models. So it's just, you know, horses for courses, you know? But all of that, with regardless of the role, is testing, checking, yeah, checking and testing, talking to people about it. Being, you know, I mean, lockdown was tough for our team, I think, because it's really, we have, we want ideas and it's very, very difficult, even on a quiet, I think, hopefully quite open team environment for someone who's just joined to book an appointment with their boss to ask them a stupid question. Whereas if you're sitting in the office, you can tap someone on the shoulder and say, look, by the way, I got this right, I got this wrong. And I just think fostering that type of environment in the world we live in today is tricky. So we've just got to be 
doubly um, put more effort into that side yeah. of things. <clears throat> I think especially in your industry, you want to be in front of those people that that you will be potentially working with in the future from the climate you know, change industry. Exactly. Being in front of them in person when they might not be used to working with yes. anyone that works in insurance is so important yes, as well. Totally. Those personal relationships are... And always one. keep in mind, you know, what the prize is. You know, so so why are we going to go and see these people and what are we talking about? We want, what do they want? And you've got to be, so it's a, it's a testing, it, it's a testing and testing, and but at the same time with a back of your mind a, a very clear view of what you're trying to achieve so that when things don't work you know when to kill them mm. off yeah and that doesn't that applies to all the way through a career by the way you know so you can be you can be incredibly determined and that's amazing and that because some things take five years to work and i have projects where it has taken five years for them to work and sometimes that determination is bad because it means you're going to pursue things which aren't going to work and you've got to be brave enough to kill them off as well yeah. I mean, that kind of leads me on nicely to, I was going to ask what advice you would give to your younger self. Um, yeah, I, I, uh, yeah. so uh, I think when I, when I joined the market, you mean, or well, beforehand? A sort of professional oh, kind yeah. of advice. So I, I, I completely misunderstood what I was going to enjoy out of the job. I, I wanted, I liked the idea of insurance broking because I felt that I could own uh, a, a group of clients and I could broke those business into the market and and I could make my own decisions. And actually what I really enjoyed was the interaction with the people in the team and building something where I could see skills that I didn't have and knowing that if I gave something up, I'd get something back in return. And that I found incredibly interesting that it was so successful mm. and much more successful than what I thought I was going to be good at. So it's strange. I think sometimes you just got to, um, I think... I, w I wish I was a little bit more, a bit, a bit, a bit more confident, basically. You know, than, in the, you know so thanks. Yeah, if you're in the business of the building teams, that that's which is which is what you're doing at the moment, and it seems yeah. like that was the thing that you were really interested in is is those different. Well, skills. I think when, in the early days, I think what it was is you've got. I mean, I suppose you, I, I always think that you, you've got to have a little bit of a plan back of your mind. I think. No job's going to be a nine to five job. Mm. I mean, I, I think I always feel that's you, you've got to think. You know, what is the opportunity around the corner which I'm going to put myself out there and ask if I can do, whether you know or not. You know, even if it means I get knocked back mm. ten times. You know, just that. That I think I should have done more of that earlier in my career. I should have been braver about some of the things I wanted to do. But it took me, you know, at least a couple of decades to. Get, get to get that confident and I confidence. see people now who have that when they're 20 and that's amazing and they get the chances then but this doesn't mean that someone who's 35 can't then yeah. it's just a question of when the right time for those people you yeah. know asking the questions yeah. getting involved in things that yeah. are outside yeah. of their their remit um and uh, I yeah just a bit of um I suppose to to think about insurance just to some mm -hmm. of the last questions what do you think that there's a, a is a common myth about the insurance industry i think people think it's boring it's not, it's not boring you know i mean you know the some of the most fascinating parts of insurances are for for in our in our claims teams where where we're at you're, at, you're actually seeing the results of 
of uh, of what the insurance market can do to pick up the pieces mm. for some horrendous things that happened around the world. Now, obviously, lots of things in life are boring, like endless administration, but insurance itself is not the boring bit. Yeah. I think that's a mis- misconception. Uh, also, I think there's a, there's a um, I think there's a misconception that there's there's lack of opportunity in the insurance market because the market has you know it's probably more opportunity in insurance than almost any other financial services area I think because the the market's concentrated for so long on insuring the risks of yesterday the fact that there is the the same platforms can ensure the risks of tomorrow as well. I mean, my God, what opportunity is yeah. that? You know, so I think that's an, also a misconception. Um, In terms of yeah. career development, that's pretty exciting yeah, for someone that's, exactly. that's so future focused as a business. And at the end of the day, insurance doesn't work unless you can explain it in a simple way to someone who might buy it. So that so you've got, you've got to match the people in the insurance market with the people who might be buyers. So it, you need all types of people to do that. And people who can simplify things and make things understandable, as well as people who are scientists and or actuaries, you know, it's take it's and people who can you know d- display things in a way that makes people understand stuff better. It's all it takes all types of people. That's yeah, that's good to hear. <laughs> Is there any advice that you would give to to listeners that just thinking of starting this industry or on the back of this have thought, oh, actually, I could see a career there? Um, I think my only advice is. Um, do your own bit of research. Check out what it is in the insurance market that interests you particularly. If it's like sports and entertainment insurance, check out what that looks like. There's tons of stuff you can see for yourself what that looks like in the market. Or if it's climate, look look at that. And once you've done a bit of your own, own research, you've just got to be determined. And in the end, you'll get something. Mm. It's just a question of because you know, determination wins on everything else. You know, it doesn't matter what, how good your qualifications are. If you're, if you're more certain that you want it, you'll get it in the end. Yeah. I mean, it sounds a bit trite to say so, but that's eff- definitely I've, just my experience over yeah. time. And it doesn't, rock, insurance is not rocket science. You know, and it, if you can't understand it with common sense, you can't sell it. I think that's fair, fair enough. It feels like any industry in the world that you can think of, you could work in insurance to, to mm, support that industry. Absolutely. Anything you've got an yeah. interest in, then you can find something yeah. um, in this industry to, to do with that. Um, I so the, Just for my final, final mm-hmm. question, um, what's your biggest takeaway that you hope that, that listeners would get from the conversation today? Um, well, I'm, I'm just hoping that people will... Um, listen to this might think if they'd never come across the insurance market before might think i tell you what i might have a look at that and that's all i can ask for yeah. you know no more than that i'm not expect you know i think but that that is important because we did we struggled in early days attracting people who didn't have a ready-made route in mm. and uh or who will start another career and, and we need that that talent in the market badly now that's yeah that's great thank you very much pleasure thank you Thank you for listening, everyone. Um, And if you've enjoyed this episode and found it informative and thought-provoking, please um, uh, visit our website and let us know if you want to be notified of any new episodes um, and leave a rating and review wherever you're listening. Thank you, Charlie.